Welcome to Teach Back Tuesday, where we play the most popular episodes from previous seasons. This episode, The Empty Chair and Other Firsts of Grief, is quickly approaching the 10,000 download mark, but I believe I know why that's going on. It's because we continue to learn more about grief every year, don't we? Prior to the pandemic, people still had loved ones passing away, so this is not a new experience. But the experience of having an empty chair at the holidays, that can be a bit unnerving, to say the least. I hope this episode helps those of you who are going through this for the first time. Let's listen. Whenever we get to the holidays, there's always the chance that there will be people who are going through a season of firsts. Those are the things that come up in life that are happening for the first time, like having an empty spot at the dining room table for the holidays. It's really disorienting, and we may find ourselves feeling like we'd rather not celebrate. Thank you for joining Keep the Heart for today's podcast with Francie Taylor. Francie is an author, teacher, and conference speaker. Sharing lessons from the Word of God is her passion. Now, back to today's important study. The empty chair at the dining room table is just one of several adjustments in life when we're trying to learn how to live without someone that we've had in our world for so long that they're literally woven into the fabric of our soul. There are birthdays, anniversaries, even first-time medical challenges without our beloveds. And even if we were expecting their passing, there's an adjustment period that takes time and takes us through a transition that is just stunning at times, and then it's tender at others. We're going to look at three things to consider when you're going through a season of firsts, and it's my prayer that this will help someone out there who is walking this road right now. Number one, be extremely patient with yourself. God is so patient with us. Listen to a perfect description of how God sees us in Psalm 103, verses 13 through 14. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. We have extremely high expectations of ourselves, And we may be tempted to become slightly impatient with ourselves as we find ourselves struggling for longer or harder than we think we should. Why do we expect that we will snap right back from the loss of a loved one as if it were like a gym workout where we were recovering from sore muscles? Is it because we're comparing ourselves to people around us? Or maybe even to people who we've observed in our past? Or is it because we're overly driven and we're mistakenly expecting to perform our way out of grief? Or is it possible because we're trying to portray an image of having it all together that we're really putting on a show when we're internally falling apart? Whatever the reason, there is no need to pretend. We simply don't have to. And it's not true that we're going to just bounce back. What we're going through is going to take time, to adjust, and we need to be gentle. How gentle? Well, how gentle are you with someone you deeply love? How would you counsel a friend who was grieving and then flogging themselves for not doing a better job? What kind of grace would you show to them? Show yourself that same kind of grace. The firsts of grief are not merely tasks to check off a list. 
They're appointments that can only be lived one by one. The second thing we need to know when it comes to going through a season of firsts is we really don't have a way to prepare for it. No one knows how a day will end. And we're reminded this in Proverbs 27, verse 1, where it says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. One minute, we've got our loved ones all around us, and we're taking them for granted. And then change shows up, rearranges our lives into something foreign and unrecognizable, and we're shattered. Whether we knew that a person had a terminal illness or they passed suddenly and unexpectedly, there is no way to prepare for this kind of loss. Even if I were to say, hug everyone and tell them you love them daily, that would not equal advanced preparation for the loss of a loved one. I developed a practice with seasons of firsts once I got broadsided by a couple of them. I learned. I started marking them on the calendar as suspects. I knew, for example, that our wedding anniversary was going to be a very difficult day for me. So I planned to have that day off from work and away from people. I also knew that the anniversary of my husband's passing would be like a bookmark in my soul, so I planned to have that day off as well. In September 2019, two years after my Norman's passing, my plan to be alone didn't go too well for me. The plan was to go to the beach and walk along the shore, and I fully expected to cry the entire time I was there, so I had these huge sunglasses on that covered my eyes down to my cheeks. They were like little salad plates on sticks. When I got to the beach, there were lots of people there. This was wrecking my idea of walking the beach alone and crying behind my gigantic sunglasses. I had gotten there a little too late for privacy. Just as I arrived, a young couple walked by me and they had the most adorable, curly-headed little toddler girl. And you know how they walk funny when they're toddlers, they kind of waddle. So this little girl went waddling by and I took my eyes off where I was walking and I was just grinning at this toddler. It was a sweet moment. But it was a moment where I took my eyes off of where I was walking. Suddenly, my sandal caught the edge of the sidewalk, and it was between the sidewalk and the sand. I tripped and went flying. It was like I was planing. I was literally flying horizontally, and then I landed on the ground and skidded across the pavement. I had a small fracture in my shoulder, and I had some wounds that were infected that needed to be cleaned out. After this adventure, I realized that the injury had distracted me from completing my brief outing. When you have so many things going on in your life, you realize that you may be delaying or distracting the grieving process. When you catch on to that, at your next opportunity, allow yourself a do-over. You need time to grieve. Whether it's a wedding anniversary or a birthday or the anniversary of a person's passing, we will need to allow ourselves to process and go through cycles of grief. And then we'll need the comfort of the Lord. He won't leave us trapped without relief. God has a goal of making us better through the refining fires of grief. It doesn't feel that way at first, and don't expect it to. But later, you'll see how this happens. In 2 Corinthians 1.4, it says that God comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. In other words, it's an ongoing process that God gives us comfort, which we're then able to pass on to someone else needing comfort. 
often what we're doing when we're processing the firsts is we're realizing that there are also permanent changes on this side of heaven, and that's hard. So go ahead and walk through the hard. Don't run. Walk. And don't do it alone if you don't feel like it. But often you'll find that it is very personal and that you and the Lord are the only ones that can really get through that. A third and final suggestion is this. Figure out what to do about that empty chair. In our family, we have empty chairs in the plural. Our mom left the first empty chair when she passed in 2015. And then my Norman was the next empty chair passing in 2017. And then just this month, my sister's beloved husband, my brother-in-law Dennis, joined the other family members in heaven. Our family has had a lot of changes to the structure, but we're not the first ones, and we're certainly not alone. Many families have gone through goodbyes, especially this past two years during the pandemic. And whether they were expecting someone to pass or they were just slammed with a sudden passing, each family has that sense of disorientation that comes with the abrupt changes brought on by a loved one's passing. What can we do about the empty chairs? Of course, there is the option of just leaving it empty the first year, but what about the future? Here's a few suggestions. First one, you could invite someone to fill the chair. It's not like you're replacing the person who passed with someone else, but instead, we're taking an opportunity to open our homes and our lives to others. In other words, it's a good idea to look outward and see if there's someone who needs a place to have dinner. This principle is found in Philippians 2.4 where it says this, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Bible commentator Matthew Henry said this in, in reference to Philippians 2.4, A selfish spirit is destructive of Christian love. It is very tempting to become extremely self-focused after the passing of a loved one, but this only makes the pain greater. It intensifies it. Selflessness, on the other hand, is a pain reliever, shifting our focus off of trying to always make ourselves comfortable and onto someone else. We're not the only hurting people in this world. As we're thinking about filling that empty chair, we can remember that our family dinners can become gatherings that take people who may not have family members nearby, and we can weave them into our family. Only God knows how special these times could become. And if we're willing to share the empty chairs, we really have no idea how beautiful it could become over time. Now, keep in mind, you may not feel like opening your home this way the first year, maybe not even the second year. And that's understandable. You could consider other options. For instance, you could take the chairs away from the table and place them in the corners of the dining room or along the wall symbolically. Or maybe keep the empty chairs at the table and set the place setting as if the person was going to be there, you're setting the spot like a spot of honor in their absence. You decide, that's the point. You decide what you think will work best for you and your family. But it really does help when we take the focus off of ourselves as often as possible. And we can do that if we'll fill that empty chair. When a beloved has passed away, the Lord knows that we're going through a season of firsts. He's acquainted with grief, and he knows all about sorrow. So God's not unfamiliar with how we're feeling or what we're going through. It's helpful when people 
who have gone through some kind of hard times like ours, they have a comprehension of what we're going through, but it's not the exact same. And we shouldn't expect that all people will know how we're feeling. Each family is different. Each loss is unique. Instead, we can always turn to the one who's acquainted with our feelings and intimately knows our internal workings, and that's the Lord. He not only knows what we're going through, but he's able to comfort us in ways that no one else can do. No matter how raw and how painful grief is in the early stages, please know that God softens the sharpness of that pain over time. A good closing verse to remind us that we'll never be without the comfort of the Holy Spirit is found in John 14, verse 18, which says this, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. You've been listening to Francie Taylor. For more from Francie, visit keeptheheart.com for devotionals, books, and the popular Bible study series, I See You in Christ Unconditionally. ICU is flexible by design and encourages users to develop the habit of daily Bible study. Visit KeepTheHeart.com today. Thank you for listening.